Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My name is Dr. Evan Goldstein, and I am an ass surgeon. I know I've been referring to you as Dr. Asshole this entire time, but like in the most affectionate way. Well, thank you. I You're, appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I read that you began your medical career, uh, you wanted to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. So how do you get from that to becoming an ass doctor? Exactly. I'm Noah Michelson, and this is D is for Desire podcast where we explore the sticky questions about love and sex secretly lurking in our heads, hearts, and pants from angles you could have never imagined in health class. And this episode starts in our pants. We're talking anal surgery with a doctor who performs it for all sorts of people and all sorts of reasons. Maybe to create a prettier asshole or a healthier one or one that performs more comfortably during anal sex. Because yes, in fact, Plastic surgery for the asshole is a thing. I don't know about you, but I wasn't even really aware of my asshole until I was 19 and I saw my first boyfriend's asshole. Suddenly I was curious about what mine looked like. So I stripped down in front of my hallway mirror and twisted myself until I could kind of, sort of, get a good look. Once I did, I found it pretty unremarkable. I guess I'm just not a whole guy. But I hadn't really thought about that moment until I read a profile of Dr. Evan Goldstein. He is, as far as I know, the only surgeon in the world whose practice is dedicated solely to the humble asshole. I figured if anyone could expand my view of it, he could. But before we get to that, I had to find out how Dr. Asshole became Dr. Asshole. So, the doctor is in. Let's start our visit. I think it was interesting because at that time that I wanted to do heart surgery, I was still in the closet. Mm. And uh, it was a very instrumental time. I was married to a woman at the time. And then I finally met my current partner, Andy, during that. And there was so much turmoil going on just kind of in my personal world. And then it obviously bleeded into the professional world. 
I worked two weeks at a cardiothoracic place, and I was miserable, and I just knew that I wasn't going to do it. And every night I'd walk home, and everybody's so happy in the world. I would walk down Fifth Avenue and see everybody, and I was like, God, why are they all happy? And I'm miserable. Um, And then I said to Andy, you know, what can I do in this gay world? And I started to analyze and really look at who's delivering high-quality care to the gay community, specifically the gay community, about gay issues. Mm-hmm. And I realized that actually nobody was doing it, um, especially on the surgical level. And it was like the right timing because the reality is is that most practitioners and most surgeons at the time when I was finished really were dealing with HIV disease yep. and all the sequelae that came to that, not like just being gay. Right. Um, and so I started to say, well, wait a second, where where is this gap? Who's filling that gap? And then I said to Andy, I was like, I think I should fill that gap. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't know. He's like, why do people care? And I was like, I don't know. I think people do care. And then I finally started to kind of test that model um, over the next subsequent years um, and then realize that there's a huge market uh, to really be impactful in the way that people um, enjoy themselves. How do you train for this kind of a specialty? I mean, I'm assuming that in some ways you must have had to pioneer some of this yeah, or you know, yeah. j- jerry-ricket some of it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think in the beginning I was more focused on, I knew the techniques of how do you take care of it in general. So anybody coming to the office, how do you fix uh, a hemorrhoid? How do you fix a fissure or a tear? But then I had to take it into the context sexually as to where we were going in the community. Mm -hmm. And then I started to kind of look at, well, wait a second. If I do the normal surgical procedures, how does it heal, Mm -hmm. right? And then how do we get somebody back to engaging? And I started to kind of really think the physics of not just shitting. You know, shitting itself is a high-pressured act, right? We all have to do it. But now take that with someone behind you and engaging and forceful engagement. That's a lot of pressure. And when you say engagement, we're talking about having sex, anal sex. Anal sex, totally. So, you know, penetration in and of itself is a stressful situation to the body, Mm -hmm. right? And those stressful situations encounter high pressures. And if there's high pressures, what happens? And I started to see people come to me after those engagements, some that you would say would be just vanilla and then some that are off the fucking wall. Mm. And you're like, holy shit, I I can't believe people do this. But when you analyze, you start to realize that there's a pattern. And then you start to see, okay, how are people preparing for sex? What are they doing? Are they harming themselves? Are they not? Um, And again, it's all because sex ed, especially in the gay world, is absent. I used to be made fun of my butt because it was too big. (laughs) Uh, So I used to hate my butt at the time when it was like a teenager. But then like while I was growing up, uh, people started complimenting my butt. It's funny how that changes. Right. So then I started embracing it even more. Funnily enough, I was always able to attract people that were obsessed with asses uh, without even doing it on purpose. This is David. He's 28, lives in New York City, and he sought out Dr. Goldstein's help when he became curious about the way his asshole looked. 
as a teenager, you know, you start watching more porn videos. Totally. Um, and you start, you know, becoming more self-conscious, uh, you know, like start looking at yourself in the mirror. Right, because you <laughs> see things in these videos. Exactly. And you're like, how do I match up to that or how do I not match up to exactly. that? Exactly. You're always like, oh, how can I reach perfection, you know, across uh, our part of my body is pretty mm-hmm. much. So I had um, what I thought were skin tags yeah. um, that turned out to be um, hemorrhoids, uh, both internal and external. So I went to see the gastroenterologist and he was like, yeah, you know, the, they're common hemorrhoids. Like if they don't bother you, just leave them there. Were you having pain or was this really no, this that's the just thing. cosmetic? Yeah. So like they never hurt. I was never in pain for them. or They never bleeded or anything. It was just like a psychological thing, you know, when I was getting with my ex-boyfriend or like other other guys, um, it, it just bothered me that they were there. They were never disgusted by them. Um, some people wouldn't even notice uh, because, you know, like while you're in bed having sex, like sometimes people don't notice. Sometimes it's even dark. <laughs> right. There's not often not, not like a spotlight on that area. Exactly. And like, you know, like I'm a bottom as well. So like the ass is like my asset, let's say. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I'm pretty proud of it too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I would be very self-conscious once we were getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, otherwise it wouldn't like impede or like prevent from like, you know, the actual act of sex, right. anal sex. Right. Yeah. So now at this point, David found Dr. Goldstein, and he underwent procedures to remove the hemorrhoids and inject Botox to relax his anal muscles, all to get his asshole closer to the aesthetic vision he had in mind. When we first met the first time, he couldn't, you know, explain the whole process in detail um, because he had to, like, do the first surgery and then see how it was going to heal and then take it from there. Mm-hmm. So the fir- during the first one, he was not able to, like, remove everything. So we went for a second one, and then, you know, it was still, like, a retouch that I wanted to do. Uh, it was not, you know, perfect. And again, the insurance luckily covered for everything. Otherwise, honestly, I wouldn't have done <laughs> any of them. Right. What was the recovery like? Pretty excruciating, if I have to be honest. Uh-huh. Um, also, I did three surgeries, <laughs> not one. So, yeah, the whole thing was like eight, nine months. And obviously, I also did not have sex for that long. (laughs) Well, talk to me about that. Um, I mean, what was it like to not be able to have sex? I mean, yeah, I mean, the sex part was obviously very frustrating. I didn't know how to justify to my ex-boyfriend that, you know, I couldn't engage, even if it was like oral sex or you know, he never bought him at the time, so we couldn't even, you know, switch role. Um, and when I tried to talk about it, it was almost taken as an attack or like a peer pressure thing. You know, I want to provide pleasure to you and also get pleasure at the same time. Mm-hmm. And since there are no other options and alternatives, why don't you try? Why don't you try bottoming? Bottoming, correct. Right. Um, but again, he was not comfortable or he never done it before. So we-, we tried with like some fingers or like getting some toys um but yeah it was still like some sort of pressure and i couldn't get into it because i was still in pain right yeah so even doing things like oral sex wasn't that satisfying for you just no and honestly i wasn't even looking for it to be honest because of your your mindset exactly i i was not psychologically ready or like into it 
I asked Dr. Goldstein about this, how recovery plays into sexual performance. And he told me it's not just bottoming that you have to build up to after surgery. How long before they're able to have sex? Yeah, so topping and playing that way towards the front, usually about a week. Okay. Um, bottoming, it's a, a little bit further. Wait, so even yeah. because because of what you've done, even if you want to be penetrating someone because of the force or, or whatever. It's, yeah, it's just because you contract, especially when you're having an orgasm, you contract your entire pelvic floor. So I tell people, like, look, jerk off first, see how it feels. If it feels fine, I'm fine with you doing it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, like, going to hurt my end. It's more of... Just, you know, when you contract everything, obviously you contract your asshole and then it hurts, right? right? Yeah. And that's why I also do some Botox as well because it, that's the, the natural tendency is with pain is to contract. So if I give Botox there, it'll allow for, yes, you're going to tr- contract a little bit, but it'll also allow you to have that relaxation. Settle it down a exactly. little bit. Exactly. Okay. Now, you'll see me in the office about three weeks post-surgery. I do some stuff in the office to tweak it. You know, it's not like a facelift. Facelift, put the stitches in. When you co- when they come to the office, the stitches are where it's supposed to be. Right. The ass, we move, we shit, we do all of this. So I'm more anticipating what it's going to be like six to eight weeks down the line because in the beginning it gets swollen. I tell people no selfies, though they don't listen to me and they do <laughs> that. And then they send me pictures like, what the fuck did you do to my ass? And I'm like, it's going to heal. Right. Don't worry. I right. know where you're at. You know, I used to try and do it all at once, and then I realized, well, wait a second, that's ter- terrible for them, and they don't heal the right way. Right. So now it's we stage it in a way that makes people, you know, get to where they want to go. So back to David. Three surgeries and nine months later, he still wasn't having sex with his boyfriend, and it was beginning to affect their relationship. I could see that it was getting in his head and because he was frustrated and, you know, depressed, I was also getting in turn. So you've said that he's your ex-boyfriend now. Did, yes. did this experience have something to do with your relationship ending? Unfortunately, yes. Really? Yeah. So because of not being able to have sex and because of sort of the barrier that that put between the two mm-hmm. of you, you guys broke up? Yeah. I don't know how to explain this, but... Uh, Yeah, he was not getting the pleasure. He's a very physical person, um, and sex is, like, paramount to him. So it was tough, and we decided to go that way. Um, It's so unfortunate in some ways because the reason that you did this mm -hmm. was so that you could feel better about yourself and you could feel more confident and and more sexual. And so I could give 100, if not 200% about myself to him. How is your sex life now? Are you at 100%? Um, I guess not 100% just because I don't want to like engage in anal sex with everyone. Um, I'm very selective, let's say. So, again, I'm focusing on myself, my body, my shape, and my health first and foremost because mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I wasn't able to do it you know, at a full range as I wanted to last year. Um, so I've definitely gained a lot more attention. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's say I have more options now to pick from. When you do have anal sex, there's no issues with it. No, 100%. I'm so much more comfortable and confident. Uh, People love eating my ass. (laughs) That's amazing. You can't put a price on that. (laughs) 
I have to imagine that there is a lot of discomfort or people are afraid to make an appointment with you, though, because it's scary to go to a doctor in general. But then to do something that's quite vulnerable with a part of your body that you've been told either we don't talk about or you should be ashamed of, what is it like when people come to see you for the first time? Are they, would you say they they are more fearful, they're more anxious than they would normally be? I think it depends on who who's coming through, mm-hmm. you know. But I try to make it where I'm more of like we're talking now, like I'm more of a friend, yep. you know, and I try and build more of a confidence before they come into the office that please, I mean, I don't have any judgments. I mean, I've seen it all. And again, one of my biggest is always the tops, right? Mm-hmm. So I always ask the question, are you a top? Because uh, that's what you really mentally... And when you say top, again, we're talking about someone who is the penetrator. Totally. That doesn't take it up the they're, ass. They're inserting. They're inserting. Right. And, they, and so the question is, are you mentally a top, mm-hmm. right? Or are you physically a top because there's a functional issue anally that that's not allowing you to get there? Right, receive. Right. And so then a lot of them are like, well, you know what? If actually the hole would work... I would explore it, right? right? So then I then say, all right, well, let's talk about that, right? And let's uh, analyze that. Now, there are people that can't engage anally um, and or are tops and want to explore anal anal intercourse, um, and they're just way too tight. Mm. And there may not necessarily be something that I need to remove, but I can do kind of Botox both in the muscle to make them relaxed and also into the skin, so that now there's no friction points. It's basically just open orifice that is allowed to engage the way that they want to. That's Um, so interesting. So you're literally injecting Botox into the anus and it relaxes it. Yeah, so there's three major muscles. Like if you squeeze your ass right now, you're squeezing two of the three. The third one is the one where like people are trying to get into the ass and they're knocking on something and they're like, fuck, I can't relax. Uh I can't relax. That's the one that we don't have much control over. So that's the one that we usually give some of the Botox into. And that responds to the Botox. Oh, yeah. It's paralyzed for like three to four months. And the theory is that in that three to four months, and I use it a lot in post-surgical patients as well, because the second you get your ass cut, it's fucking shut. So that gives some relaxation. So it allows it to heal. But the key component is when we do the Botox, they're starting to use toys and butt plugs and dilating themselves. Mm. Most people by three to four months are already engaging anally and enjoying it that when the Botox wears off, they don't really notice a huge difference. Because they've kind of conditioned it at that point. Exactly. I think that that's what it's really about, too. I mean, this this podcast is about desire. And I think that if people do have these desires, but they're not able to enact them or even explore them because, one, society tells us we shouldn't, but, two, maybe there is something functionally wrong, that's a problem. Huge problem. And I don't think that having a healthy sex life is sort of a – it shouldn't be a luxury. You know what I mean? I think we'd all be a lot healthier and happier if we could have sex the way we wanted to with who we wanted to. Right. But I think that people, you know, would scoff at the idea of getting anal Botox or things like that because they think it's just kind of, you know, superfluous. Like it's not necessary. Um, It's elective. But but you're saying no, like in order for people to be complete, whole human beings, this is part of them that we should also be 
attending to. A hundred percent. And that was where you see a lot of what I'm trying to do is not only fix the problems, but just like actually talk that there is a problem mm-hmm. and, and, and really understand that, that we may not know all the solutions, but we as, as a medical profession should at least understand that there are intricacies to a community. Right. And how do we now train people to analyze in a different way? So anal surgery affects more than just the physical, but can it actually change your life? After the break, we continue our visit with Dr. Goldstein, and we hear from another patient whose anal surgery made him feel human again. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, we're back with Dr. Evan Goldstein, a.k.a. Dr. Asshole. Now, like we've been saying, Dr. Goldstein works with assholes cosmetically and functionally, how they look and how they work. Because sometimes they need to look a certain way in order to do certain things. Are you following? Anyway, here's why assholes look the way they do. This might be a dumb question. No, no, it's not. What about... um, I think the anus is naturally wrinkly sure. and Botox gets rid of wrinkles. Sure. Do people get Botox to de-wrinkle their some, anuses? Some. Um, I think that, you know, the problem is is that when you do that locally in that spot, uh-huh. the Botox could actually bleed a little bit into the muscles where you get a little too much relaxation that's there. Interesting. Um, anally, we actually need those folds in order to kind of contract Right. Ah, And keep our shit in. Right. And then also when we're engaging anally to fully, fully open and receive, you kind of need that accordion 
See, this is blowing my mind because right? I've never thought about like what is the purpose right. of having a wrinkled anus. Right. Well, it's because you know it needs to stay tight, and right. when it needs to open, at least you have the accordion to fully accommodate right. or shit. Okay. Right? Yep. Right. So that's why. So if you give too much in that area, um, you know, you can obviously take away those folds. And and it's interesting. There are some people that come to me that they don't have the folds, uh-huh. and they have a tough time receiving. Because it tears all the time. They naturally don't have the Correct. folds. Correct. Oh, okay. Right. So what can you do for that? So with those, I they mostly, you know, right where they get those tears, you actually have to kind of clean up the tear mm. and try and give them more of a diameter mm-hmm. so that they're actually able to. It's basically opening up those lines and creating new ones and giving them more space in the area. Interesting. You know, and anally... You know, there's two things to understand. There's skin and there's muscle. Uh-huh. That's it, uh-huh. right? And so there's two restrictive points. One is can the skin fully open, right, to accommodate? The other is can the muscle fully open? Right. Or is it a combination of two that are restrictive? Got it. And so that's what leads people mostly into my office, which is I went beyond capacity on one of those, mm-hmm. whatever that is. It's sometimes easy to forget that when it comes to sex, the physical is often connected to the psychological. And this brings us to Tom. He saw a doctor before Dr. Goldstein who ended up doing way more harm than good. After receiving abnormal results from a biopsy, Tom underwent a hasty and incredibly aggressive anal surgery to remove what he had been told was precancerous cell growth. And his anus was basically butchered. It's hard for me to describe the level of excruciating pain I was in for three months. Uh-huh. And then for another year and a half that I just had a difficult, like, like my days were difficult. I just like going to the bathroom was a nightmare mm-hmm. and um, getting fucked was out of the question. Mm-hmm. And I'm very versatile. So that was like 50% of my sexuality was like out the window. Right. And it was terrifying. Had you sort of given up at that, at that point? Did you think that it was hopeless or yeah. were you, you did? I was I was like this is done. I mean, I could take a cock as big as your wrist <laughs> before this, right? And after this, I was like, nope, wow. keep your fingers away. I was devastated. Like my sex life was gone, you know. And I was having all kinds of other issues as a result. I was having erectile dysfunction, and wow. that was all psychological. And um, like I just didn't want anybody to touch me. So I was um, just ready for anybody to to help. Mm-hmm. And the, the minute I met him, the first meeting I had with him, I was like, ah, oh, okay, I think this guy gets it. Also because he's gay. And Goldstein's whole practice is built around gay men's needs. So he really put me at ease. Um, and he made it possible for me to at least consider what it might be like if I was able to sort of start having a normal sex life again. So he had to do basically reconstruction. Is that what he was doing? Or yeah. what What did he go in and do? I had a condition called stenosis. So it's a narrowing of the, it's a narrowing of any passage in your body, which basically meant that there was all the scar tissue he had to release. Got it. And there was all kinds of other damage as a result. There, were, I had infections. I had a fistula. I had like like everything that could have happened down there happened except for cancer. Right. Thank God. Tom's anus was in such rough shape, he began a course of five surgeries in hopes of having anal sex again one day. It was all progressive. Um, The first surgery was really to sort of get me back to a normal place where I could just poop normally. Wow. Without pain. And I I think 
I How s- extreme was the pain when you were just I, trying to poop? Well, <laughs> this is graphic, but it was like getting fingered by Freddy Krueger. It was like every time I and went that to the bathroom, was just going it was to the bathroom. Horrific, yeah. So Dr. Goldstein then was removing the scar tissue. Yeah, the first thing was the removal of the scar tissue, the releasing of the scar tissue. And um, he had to cut the muscle in, internally a little bit to release the muscle to help release the spasm. Uh-huh. And the first procedure was really successful. Um, it wasn't a painful recovery the way that initial surgery was. Uh, it was it was like um, you know being numbed at the dentist compared to you know having a tooth pulled without anesthesia. That's wow. the, like, the best way I could describe it. And then after you had the procedure, were you also experiencing m- much more comfort in that area in general? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, things things sort of really calmed down. I still had to take care of things, but once I hurt, healed from that first surgery, I was aware that uh, we were going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And finally, through the course of those five procedures, which were more or less the same thing repeatedly, mm-hmm. we got to a point where he referred me to a physical therapist who specializes in pelvic floor therapy. So a physical therapist for your asshole. Yeah. That's so interesting. I'm learning so much while I'm doing this podcast <laughs> that I'm just I had never even thought about or yeah. even knew existed. Well, you know, I didn't think about it either. You so know, is this like, person literally giving you exercises to do? Well, it's about um, strengthening the area again. And after the surgery, because of my, my fear of using the area in any way, even having orgasms, I would keep myself from spasming so that, you know, because you, when you have an orgasm, you're, everything, your butthole squeezes. Right. Um, so I wasn't doing that. So all of those muscles atrophied. And a pelvic floor therapist, it's much more common for women uh-huh. after childbirth. That makes sense. Um, but it's also an area where anybody that's had any trauma to the pelvis or the anus may need this kind of therapy. So there's certain muscles you can only get to internally. So it was massaging and stretching those muscles too. And, um, and then using dilators. Yeah. When you started with Dr. Goldstein, were you just at a place where you just wanted to not be in pain and weren't even thinking about the sexual component and getting that back? Or was that part of it, too, where you're like, I want to be able to get fucked again. I need to do more procedures. The pain had subsided enough by the time I got to Dr. Goldstein that I was thinking more about sex. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest loss for me. So those conversations that you were having with him totally included sex. Yeah. You know, you were saying to him, I want to be able to bottom again. And he mm-hmm. was saying, OK, here's what we need to do to get you there. Yeah. He's like, I think we can get you bottoming again. I don't think we can get you bottoming again with a porn star. Right. But that was good enough for you at that mm-hmm. point. I at mean, that point, it was like anything. Yeah. Give me anything. Yeah. And it wasn't because I missed the sex, which of course I did. But it was more the component of I'm 42 years old. Yeah. I'm never going to be able to bottom again. Right. Like, that's terrible still in the prime of my sex life. When was the first time then that you got fucked, and how did you know that you were ready for that? It was really gradual, and I have a couple of playmates, guys that I know that I'm intimate with, that were, were like, patient with me and that wanted to help. And so there was a a level of it that was a little beyond just getting together and getting off. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first time I... I was able to really enjoy it was with someone who had a pretty average size penis, average to small penis. And I was like, ooh, that was good. Like it felt good. It wasn't it wasn't an exercise. Had you tried before that? Yeah. And it and it wasn't good? Yeah. 
Got and it. And it was more like an exercise. Like, okay, I can get it in, but it doesn't feel good, so we're going to stop now. It's like, you know, you know Goldilocks and the porridge or <laughs> Cinderella and the shoe. Yeah. Yeah. You found something that worked for you yeah. at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And psychologically or emotionally, how were you in that moment? It was hard to even explain to my playmate what I was going through because it was a very big emotional breakthrough. And I recently had another big breakthrough, if you want to hear about it, um, (laughs) with a guy who had a really big penis. And I was like, this feels good. Like I was able to do it. Yeah. And it's also about your level of comfort with the other person, just physical attributes aside, I guess, that he was patient and it was like, it was just all very gentle and safe. Yeah. But was there a moment sort of before it happened where you were like, oh, I don't know about this? Yeah. Uh Oh, completely. And then I was like, eat my ass. It'll be better. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, okay. (laughs) It's so interesting to me that part of what you were trying to do really was based in reclaiming your sexuality and your sex life. And I think people maybe can understand the idea of going to see a doctor because you're having pain or because something's precancerous. But the idea of going to see someone like Dr. Goldstein because you're not able to have sex the way you want Mm -hmm. is maybe superfluous or silly or gross. Mm -hmm. You know, what would you say to someone who has a misconception? I think it's a misconception that sexuality is not as important as like the the actual physical components of your life. Well, I think that's an ongoing battle for us, though, isn't it? I mean, there's no way to really convince people of that except time and exposure Mm. um, and education. I could have brought a lawsuit if I'd worked on it before the statute of limitations passed, but trying to convince the court that getting fucked was important would be a hard sell. Um, Not being able to defecate is something else. Yeah. Right. So I could, you could win a lawsuit on that and five corrective procedures, but not on, I had five corrective procedures so that I could get fucked again. Right. And, and, but that's a huge part of your life and that's a huge Mm -hmm. part of so many people's lives. And, and it does define who they are. And so if that suddenly evaporates or is taken from you, yeah. not only are you losing out on that physical sensation, but it, everything else changes. But I think if it were a heterosexual situation, um, it would be different. And, you know, straight people are getting fucked in the ass too. A hundred percent. More so, and more. Yeah. And you see it all, the, you see it in porn. You see like men getting their asses eaten by women and you, see, you know, I mean, the anus is is a place of sexual pleasure, but talking about it is weird because it's also associated with something else. Exactly. Um, but with gays, because gays are bad, still in the minds of a lot of people, gay sex is in the same category. So you can't talk about it as if it's equally important, as if it's as important as baby making sex. Right. So So now that you sort of have come out the other side of this, how do you feel now? How has your life changed? Um, I'm much more comfortable with my sexuality again. So I feel like I've come out on the other side of it. I feel like I'm I'm ready and able to have sex again. Um, it has strangely forced me into a place of recognizing that what I need with sex is intimacy. Mm. You know, when you're in your 20s, like, a bus will go by and you're like, oh, man, look at that bus. Like you just get erect <laughs> over everything, right? And you'll like fuck anything that moves. But right. now like I want 
partnership and I want intimacy. And I find that very sexually arousing too. Mm -hmm. And it's because I think I had this period where I just couldn't like let my hormones dominate me. Right. And I like that. Yeah, it seems like this sort of unintended added bonus. Not that you should have had to go through this Mm. to get to this place, but the fact that you did have to go through it anyway, you've come out on the other side and now you've got this approach to your sexuality that you wouldn't have had otherwise maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's 100% right. It's not that I didn't feel that way before. I think it forced me to recognize it. Mm. And I think I got hurt a lot when I was younger because with sex, I was seeking companionship, you know, not just getting off. Right. And now, like, that's that's kind of what I look for. And even though, I think I told you I had sex with a guy, <laughs> gigantic penis, a couple of weeks ago, and it was very intimate, and it was very arousing, and it was also like a hot fuck, you know? But yeah. at the same time, we really cared about each other. And I think, you know, I think you're... Your lover should be your brother and your whore. Uh-huh. You know, like you should have intimacy and you should also just be like, fuck the fuck out of them. Right. You know? So that can be very intimate and sexy and wonderful and passionate. And it's it's not meeting in a dark alley and having a fuck, which is also fine if you want to do that. You yeah. Know? That's just not where I'm at right now. Right. What is the path forward for you now? Are you still seeing a physical therapist? Are you still using dilators? What does the next year, five years, ten years look like for you? Mm, Getting fucked a lot. (laughs) It's interesting because when I told people that I was going to be interviewing you, a lot of people said... I don't believe that he has enough people seeing him that he has a practice. That's amazing. But but I would imagine that you do have a lot of people coming to see totally. you. Yeah. I mean, I see about 75 people a week. Wow. And I do about between 10 to 15 surgeries a week. Okay. Um, and it's not all about, uh, you know, rejuvenation, restoration. There's, you know, from anal wards to tears to just... Um, preventative work of like how how do we you know we're trying to empower the bottom yeah and and create the science behind it mm-hmm. to now allow allow people to kind of take their own and and own it but then also the longevity of of how do we make sure people are engaging the right way the maintenance yeah yeah, yeah the maintenance and I think that every gay male. Uh, specifically someone that engages anally should see someone like me once a year, Mm. evaluate what's going on inside, obviously STD screenings, functionality, really making sure that uh, people are doing anal pap smears and looking for precancerous, and then just talking about people's sex lives. I find that, you know, fascinating that people don't talk about sex, you know? I actually need other practitioners to start doing this. Really? Totally, yeah. I mean, I think that the the goal would be to train, right, Mm -hmm. others and and really use this in a way. um, And I think that they are starting to. It's a slow process. I think now it's LGBTQI and all of that stuff in how do we just build kind of the competencies of that in you know medical school, et cetera, um, I'm trying to kind of bring the sex ed piece 
beyond that right. to really for people to understand all of these intricacies. Um, and it's so interesting because you see the world trying to mesh everybody together. Mm. And I keep trying to say, well, they, wait a second, the way that the, a gay male engages is so different than anybody else. Mm-hmm. We actually need to be specific and we right. need to be completely understanding of that community. And trying to find practitioners that not only are either part of the community or are sensitive to community mm-hmm. with all of that knowledge to now be able to take care of that is, is limited. It's hard. So I don't know about you, but I took a lot away from our visit with Dr. Asshole. Number one, don't sit on the toilet for too long. Number two, get your ass checked once a year. And number three, the anus is wrinkled for a reason, so we can take shit in and let shit out. But above all else, it reminded me that sexual happiness is a completely valid reason to call the doctor. And I guess it turns out the asshole isn't nearly as humble as we might have thought. It actually can tell the story of our relationships with others, with sex, and with ourselves. I can still picture my 19-year-old self bent over in front of that hallway mirror, perplexed. And it almost makes me laugh to think that I couldn't see any of this. But now that I do, I fully intend to put it and my ass to good use. Until next time, remember, if it turns you on, it isn't taboo. for Desire is produced and edited by Nick Offenberg, Sarah Patterson, Becca Gregorio, and me, Noah Michelson. If you've got a question or a comment or an idea for an upcoming show, email us at desire at huffpost.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.